Hello, you're listening to People, Pets, and Vets with Dr. Brad Miller and registered veterinary technician Angel Martin. Hello, everyone. Each week, that was different. Each week, we bring you current events and news in the veterinary industry and share our thoughts and perspective on how they impact us in our animal hospital. We also try to give you an insight and behind-the-scenes glance at our clinic and the people in it. This episode, are you ready? I'm ready. 50. Five zero. What? Or some people refer to it as 39 plus 11. Um, <laughs> is being brought to you by Georgia Veterinary Associates, a family of animal hospitals caring for your family pet. So we are again broadcasting from beautiful Lawrenceville, Georgia. Um, Mildly middle, beautiful. Middle of February. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day. Mildly beautiful. It's cold. It's a good day. So, yeah, cold at what, 58 was the high today? I don't know, but in the shade, it is cold. In the shade, wind blowing, yes. West Texas wind blowing, it was cold. So, um, so. I don't think anyone that ever listened to our podcast can deny that you're from West Texas. Because uh, you bring it up like every single time. Yeah, I just want people to know <laughs> my heritage. My heritage. heritage. So it's funny you say that though, because a lot of times in the room, uh, the exam room, especially with new clients, I'll be talking and we'll, you know, we'll have this discussion. We'll talk about their pet. And a lot of times in the end, they'll look at me and they'll be like, where are you from? You ain't from around here, is your son? They'll be like, <laughs> are you from Tennessee? Or they'll say Tennessee. Tennessee. If they're if they're from Tennessee, or are you from South Carolina? They know I'm not from Georgia, and I'm like, no, nah, it's kind of a weird mix. It's kind of a weird southeastern Georgia mix with West Texas, and it just is, wow. is what it is. So southeastern Georgia, really? Southeast. Like oh, SEC. So- oh, okay. I yeah. understand what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Like southeastern yeah. continent, like of the continent. Yeah. Is that what a continent? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, we had lunch with the staff, not the entire staff, but the doctors and site manager uh, at Camden Village Animal Hospital today, mm-hmm. um, which we're recording on Friday. This will go out on, on Monday. Uh, Friday, happy Valentine's Day. Oh my gosh. I Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. We had lots of treats today. Again, it's one of those things that people just love to give. Donuts, cookies, candy. Pizza, heart-shaped Pizza. pizza. I uh, was very proud of myself for uh, buying coffee. Starbucks coffee yeah, for the staff. So we always love that. So um, anyway, um, so we went over and had a little meeting there, and uh, Dr. Reese decided that she was going to generate the uh, the phrase or word of the week. So she must be an avid listener. She is, I think, because <laughs> she's at least the last four weeks. So thank you, Dr. Reese. I really appreciate you. And, Many more ways than just this, but, um, so her, and I agreed to, to mention it. And so without further ado, the, the word of the week is trichobezoar. Whoa. One more time. Trichobezoar. You want to spell it? T-R-I-C-O. What? C-H. Is it not? T-R-I-C-H? Uh, it could be. My memory would say... Trico, Bezor. Look it up real quick while I'm okay. talking. Let me look it up. Um, and I'm like, all right, use it in a sentence. Do you feel like you had a spelling bee? Yeah, I do. So, um, Mrs. Smith, Fluffy, your cat, has just thrown up a Trico Bezor. It is C H 
C H O or A? C H O. I've got T R I C H O. Yeah, but when you said it, it was T R I C O. Oh, okay. Well, I misspoke. T R I C H. Okay, I can see why. C H O. I just did it again. Um, B E Z O A R. Trichobezoar. So, Latin or Greek root, trico means. Intestine? I don't know. Yeah. Hair. It's close. <laughs> uh, hair. So all hairs on anybody's body. Uh, trico means that. Bezoar, I don't really know. I didn't look it up, but I think it's kind of like body or mass. Uh, it's kind of what that suffix means. So I'm going to have to take your word for it this the, time. The definition, I'll have to look in Dorland's medical dish. <laughs> the, defi- the definition is basically in our industry a hairball uh, or a wad of swallowed hair. Interesting. So while looking up how to spell the word, if I'm being honest, because I couldn't really remember how to spell Bezoar. I knew how to spell Trico, I thought anyway, before we spoke about it. Um, My thought process was, we know this happens in animals. I'm like, huh, does this happen in people? Did you use Dr. Google? So I went on Dr. Google and just typed in trichobezoar, and it talked about symptoms and this, that, and the other, Wikipedia. So I clicked on one article and found a syndrome called Rapunzel syndrome. So you know who Rapunzel is or was or fictitious? Yes, fairy tale character with really long hair. So Rapunzel syndrome is an extremely rare condition, uh, intestinal condition in humans resulting from ingesting hair which is known as trico hair phagia consumption or eating. Uh, the syndrome is named after the long-haired girl Rapunzel in the fairy tale by the Brothers Grimm. Trichophagia is sometimes associated with the hair pulling disorder trichotillomania. This syndrome is a rare and unusual form of trichobezoar. So I just thought that was crazy that I don't know that I would assume people don't necessarily vomit up or throw up hairballs. And we said last week, that's a good thing for the cats to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't recognize this in dogs that I'm aware of. Right. Um, but I'm assuming in people, they will go through a similar, they're not like licking to groom themselves. So they're probably plucking, plucking. and pulling hairs and putting them in their mouth. Um, and that it can potentially obstruct them. So you're, you're smiling and looking away in disgust, but it, it, it happens. It, it's rare, but it happens. I was honestly just somewhat giggling in the sense that you were like, and put them in their mouth. Like, of course, how else are they going to ingest them? But, um, um, is it similar? Like owls? Like I remember being in like middle school and owls, we would dissect owl pellets. So is that also a trichobezoar? Because it's basically like a regurged, like the parts that the owl couldn't digest of like small varmint. That's it's usually that's not your own. That's all not, wrapped in hair. I so mean, this, this typically by is definition, it's it doesn't trichobezoar is not it doesn't say self, but it's kind of implied. I okay. think so. Yeah, you're talking about the pellets that raptors and mm-hmm. are owls raptors. Owls. I mean, I don't know about a raptor. I'm not that well versed in they, my they, birds they and like everything eat but small mammals and yeah. mice and yeah they're yes. good for mice i think yes so yeah they they consume a usually smaller mammal or other critter mm-hmm. and then the bones and the hair the things that don't get it's digested a that they will they will mm-hmm. they regurgitate yeah, regurgitate up so mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Anyway, weird. Um, <laughs> so, um, well, thank you again, Dr. Reese, for the yes, word of the week. Yes, thank you, Dr. Reese. Uh, she was quite funny today, as always, yes. uh, in some of our conversations. So thank you, and I appreciate you in many, many ways. So, um, On to other stories. I was say in the news, but we usually talk about interesting cases. Not any super interesting cases, but a couple of favorite cases. Okay. Uh, because they were super cute this <laughs> week. We talked about Hootie. Hootie. The Golden. Who's mm-hmm. about a year old. 14 months, I think. Something like that. So a little over <laughs> that came in yesterday for laparoscopic gastropexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was awesome. Procedure went great. Uh, Dr. Hines and I did that, and he did wonderfully. We should be seeing a video or some photos coming soon. Exactly. So he was kind of the uh, poster child for laparoscopic gastropexy for us to kind of put that out uh, on social media and on our website. Perfect. And yeah, he was feeling great. Did awesome. And then what was the little cream-colored Frenchie that this this little before you answer this little Frenchie I'm holding my hands is probably she was very stout maybe twelve inches uh, nose to tail mm-hmm. and maybe f- six inches tall mm-hmm. and she wasn't white but she looked like a little Chester white piglet like <laughs> like a week to ten days after they're born that's funny so. Uh, what, what is her name? Sugar Bear. Sugar Bear. And what was Sugar Bear in for? <laughs> uh, she had a spay procedure and a stenotic nares. What's stenotic nares? Um, nares are your nostrils. Okay. And stenotic means closed, essentially. <clears throat> so she had nostrils that were essentially wedges were taken out and opened to allow her to breathe better. Right. So that was Dr. Hines' case. Mm-hmm. And she basically increased the opening um, of the nares at the tip of the nose so that probably uh, twice the volume of air could come through. So while we're talking about this, typical for brachycephalic breeds. Which means short. Short. Muzzled. Nose, short muzzled, noses. You're right. So. What are some brachycephalic breeds, for example? Boston Terriers, French Bulldogs. Uh, Are English Miss Keenan's Border Collies brachycephalic? No. Okay. Um, there is an, a word for like normal muzzle size, but I don't really know what I it is. I forget. <laughs> and there's, yeah, the long, like a dachshund, there's an, a word for that. Mm-hmm. Prognath, pro, I don't know. Anyway. Anyways. Um, but my point in bringing up the whole brachycephalic thing is because, because it's Valentine's Day, I saw this really funny veterinary Valentine. Are you ready? Yep. Dr. Reese is going to love this one. Okay. I must be brachycephalic because I can't breathe around you. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Come on. That's hysterical. That's hysterical, but you don't if, find you're, it funny. if you're going to use that today or really any day, you're probably at a bar and you're probably pretty desperate. So um, anyway. I think it's cute, but okay. whatever. All right. So it's it's animal related. So um, so anyway, two very, uh, one very handsome one, super cute. Uh, a little Frenchie. She was adorable. So, all right. So let's move on to uh, in the news. Um, you go first. Can I just say something about the Frenchie real quick? And I know Lance is listening, but one day I will have a cute little Frenchie. And it will most likely be a disaster of a medical case. That's not fair. Can be. They can be, but um, I want a blue one. 
<clears throat> so wink, guaranteeing wink. <laughs> that it will be a medical and probably surgical disaster as well. Not if you find a right breeder. Okay. We'll, we'll go into we, the, we the problems they have later. But they, they, are, they are super cute. They are totally darn cute agree. and full of personality. Okay, so on to news. You had, um, thank you, Dr. Miller, because you pulled all of the news articles this week. Um, you said that the FDA now has a policy to allow lab animals to be adopted after experiments. So I thought this was interesting. Yep. You tell me why you thought it was interesting. Well, there, it's not just... Um, What's the words or phrase I'm looking? Uh, basically, they don't euthanize these animals after they're done with the experiment. So, but what or I think testing. is interesting, exactly. So, these are FDA research labs. Mm -hmm. So, food and drug. Not hair product yeah. experimenting on mm -hmm. this, that, or the other. So, my stance, I'll just put it out there on animal testing, is I would not want to take a drug or or i'm just gonna leave it at that i would not want to take a, a drug that has not been tested in research to see that it to show that it's hopefully safe and effective in people uh i do not believe in just haphazard testing products on animals cosmetics to do it on cosmetics like mm -hmm. but i do think certain um certain drugs we we need to know kind of what to expect from them so yeah, i would um, agree and so this kind of goes back to that um six million dollar super bowl ad right yeah like that guy who took that ad out was basically like asking people to donate to the research facility at the university of wisconsin right essentially to continue research right and the research is on animals now granted that was like university research versus like fda and i'm i'm certain that there's differences there but um i don't know i think it's very cool um, one of the things I was going to mention based on this is that it goes on to list like all the different types of species, like dogs, cats, guinea rabbits, pigs, guinea rabbits, pigs, yep. no, no primates, obviously they're not going to allow you to adopt a gorilla or a right, chimpanzee right. or something like that. And then the other thing I thought when I read this is that, um, did you have terminal surgeries in your vet school when you went to school? We did. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where I was going with like the terminal research. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. So terminal surgeries. I remember being a tech student um, at Macomb in Michigan when Michigan State said that they were no longer going to have terminal surgeries for their vet students. And so it was like a really big deal. I think probably most vet schools for the last 10 to 15 years that that's been the policy because they've come out with these... Uh, um, cadaver models or, mm -hmm. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Lifelike models. Yeah. yeah. And then also they do use cadavers, right? So pets that were euthanized, uh, or honestly not pets, but animals that were euthanized in like shelters and things. Um, they will send those, you know, obviously <clears throat> to colleges and things like that. But just like humans, when they're going through med school, they, they need that interaction. The veterinarians are just the same. They need that as well. So right. I, I'm just happy to know that I guess they're not terminal. Fun fact. <clears throat> yes. So when I did my externship, uh, right before I graduated from Texas A&M, plug, um, <laughs> in the 90s, I went to Littleton, Colorado, and I did not do an externship at Littleton Large Animal Clinic, but that's a huge equine uh, clinic out there. Mm -hmm. uh, tons of good stuff happening there. 
and they were hosting some human MDs that were practicing removing gallbladders laparoscopically, kind of oh, wow. like we do, yeah. right? So we've started doing that. So do you know what species they were working on? I'm going to say pigs. Pigs, yeah. exactly. There's a lot of pig research that actually happens here in Atlanta, so, which is interesting. You wouldn't really think that, but there are tons of So again, um, I mean, you know, here. we need to practice. We need to research. We've got to figure out the best thing to do for ourselves, for our pets, and it, it just doesn't happen out of the blue sky. So mm-hmm. uh, I was just super interested, and they were like, oh, yes, the, it's so similar to human anatomy. We talked last week about, rum- wasn't it last week? Ruminants, Ruminants. versus monogastrics, which mm-hmm. are swine. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, um, the next study that I, or the next news article I'll talk about is researchers, where are they? They are at Purdue, and they're doing a two-year study to try to figure out how dogs affect kids with autism. And the, the theory is that the child will be more comfortable in a social setting, and thus the parents will be more comfortable. And they're just kind of trying to figure out the hopefully positive effect that a dog will have on a kid with autism. So, cool story. Not really, but go ahead. So the most interesting <laughs> fact, as you brought up on the last story, is they're analyzing how the service dog or how exposure to the service dogs alters the child's saliva. Oh wow. Because the saliva contains the stress hormone cortisol. <laughs> so that was kind of, you know, it's cool uh, I have a special needs daughter as some people know, some people don't. That's sure. fine. But um well, it's, to be clear, she's not autistic. She's not autistic. Uh, she has CP. Uh, but this is, I don't know. It was, we would, we think and we, we kind of know by, I guess, observation. seeing and observing <laughs> that dogs have a pretty, pretty calming effect on a lot of people, whether they're autistic or they have uh, anxiety disorders, you know, other stress disorders. And so they're just kind of trying to quantitate it. And, and, and again, they're doing it through testing the it's cortisol. It's pretty interesting. Saliva. So Netflix, and I don't know the name of the show, but I watched either a show or a movie on Netflix where the kid has autism and he was getting, he'd been homeschooled for a really long time and he was of age that he wanted to go to school, but he couldn't. And so like every time he stepped foot like on the school grounds, he would have these like panic attacks these like breakdowns and that and so his family got him a little dog to go to school with and school was still very hard for him but like having the dog there actually helped him and like the dog would pick up on when he needed the dog so like if the dog felt like he was about to start I guess shutting down the dog would jump up at him he was like a little chihuahua looking thing the dog would jump up at him and he would hold the dog and then he would soon be soothed huh. so interesting dr hines and i were talking this morning we have a client that has a service dog mm-hmm. and she's been coming here for i think maybe a couple of years and we were talking about some of the dog's problems and what needs what we need to do to try to fix those problems and i did not realize that this dog was a service dog for this owner um but she stated that the owner had severe anxiety disorder and the dog 
helped her through that, but also the owner had a seizure disorder. And she, she being Dr. Hines, recalled the first few visits when the owner and the dog would come in, the owner would get so stressed and anxious, the dog thought the owner was going to have a seizure and would be all like over the owner, up in her face, in her lap, like oh, wow. just completely. And uh, Dr. Hines just shared that, that she is kind of bonded with the client to help relieve her anxiety. The dog is more at ease, you know, because of that. And uh, I don't know, I, I just thought that was super interesting. You know, we, we kind of take for granted. We don't, we always talk about, we don't know what's going on in owners' lives and in their world. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kind of respect that. But uh, I don't know, that was kind of cool and relates somewhat back to this story. Yeah, for sure. Um, so two more quick stories. Siba, um, S-I-B-A. Looks like Siba. The standard poodle won the Westminster Crown on Tuesday night. Beating the Golden Retriever, is that right? Yes, everybody, I understand, I understand everybody was rooting Everyone for the Golden Retriever. Everyone was really upset about and, that. And, and people were like heckling the announcers there. Yeah. Um, but Seba did it. I think I have the judges not, got paid off or something. <laughs> I, maybe, I don't know. Could happen. Um, but yeah, Seba won Best in Show and beat out 2,500 competitors. I don't really know what you have to do to qualify to compete. Um, I do know our training friend, Angie Woods, mm -hmm. was there. Was there, yeah. Because I talked to her on Monday. Um, so she was there. But yeah, Seba beat out 204 breeds and was the fifth standard poodle to win the top prize at Westminster. Do you think? So I have a theory. Oh, gosh. But do you think... Based on, like, the dogs who win these dog shows, do we start to see more of that specific yes. breed? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I would agree. That, and then anytime there's, like, a dog that has a pretty lead part in, like, a movie. Right. We either start to see those names or we start to see Definitely that breed. Definitely increase in popularity. Yeah. yeah. So, like, when Twilight was out. Twilight was like the vampire movie. You're looking really yeah. confused. Well, because we have a we have a patient that we call Edward Eyes. That's where my mind went. Mm -hmm. it, it's a, a Pomeranian that has these bright blue Edward Eyes. Yeah. So, but we have a lot of Bellas because yeah. of that. Um, it's it's interesting to kind of see the trends that way. Um, last story: uh, Denver, Colorado, just voted to end its 30 year ban on pit bull ownership. I think that's pretty big. It's a mm -hmm. huge stance for them. Mm -hmm. But I also, like, I'm not surprised that it's Denver doing it. Yeah. Do you know so what I mean? Like pretty, a bunch of free-spirited type people. I was going to say liberal, but very free-spirited. And I think they probably were one of the first to ban pit bulls back in, it was yeah, 1989. Breed standards, yeah. Um, but by a vote of seven to four, seven to four so pretty overwhelming vote by the uh, city council i think uh they they're waiting on the governor's signature do you think it's just more education that has been available i think it's education probably a little bit of pressure as well pit bulls are still a very popular breed and pit bull they mixes are. Mm -hmm. and so they are also still very dangerous we talked about can the can be for sure the pack of dogs who killed a local woman yeah that was what two a couple well 
the incident happened, happened months but she ago. Recently passed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can be, and so they're. I mean, they're doing like a breed restricted license. They're they're definitely uh, requiring that they be microchipped so they can identify the dogs, <laughs> vaccinated for rabies, hopefully other vaccines as well, but spayed and neutered. And I don't know. I, yeah, could they temperament test them? Is there a little bit more that could be done? Probably, but I do think this is a good start to kind of give uh, the pities, as they're known, uh, a little bit of a break. But a lot of that responsibility and a lot of the, I don't know, a lot of that falls back on the owner. It is the dog. They are, they do have a tendency to be a little bit aggressive in certain situations, but any dog could act that way. And a lot of that, all of that responsibility falls back on the owner, actually. So, side question not necessarily related to this but somewhat what is your opinion on like cities or counties that require registration of pets and then those that don't do you have a thought no i'm not super opinionated it's kind of um hard to regulate i think if you require it who goes out and knocks on the doors and says show me your pets you know registration and license mm-hmm. answers nobody nobody uh, i think it's a revenue generator for local municipalities but i do think every pet should be vaccinated with the core vaccines so i'm not i'm am but i'm not answering your question it, it's hard to it's hard to regulate and pull off every every pet needs to be vaccinated and registered and ideally microchipped so we can track them but i don't think the counties or cities have enough resources to do that so i guess that's where i was going i think like we would be able to control our stray population and things like that a little bit better if we had a bit more control over it so however I, there would be people that break the law just like there are people who sure. drive without you know Drops current insurance 62 when it's in yeah, 50, yeah you know or yeah. they don't have a current plate and that kind of thing and so to your point there is not a whole lot of accountability but I think the standard thinking for a lot of societal things like that is like if you put a law in place, the majority will follow the rule. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. I definitely have a thought and plan on controlling the pet population. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to get into it right now, but it does involve registration. And if your pet is not spayed or neutered, the fee that you would pay to the county government, mm-hmm. uh, if they do breed, uh, to offset the unwanted unwanted uh, population that's out there. Sure. Um, so... Yeah, that's maybe a, another topic a for another plan, show. Huh? So, um, okay, so we are going to sign out. Yeah, so uh, we'll try to get some <clears throat> interviewees for the next podcast, maybe remotely, uh, to be talked about later. Yeah, so, so we have a conference to go to, and yeah. hopefully we can kind of snag someone from the floor there. Um, if not, then it'll just be the two of us again. Yeah, once again, so. Um, but since you said this is number five zero, right? So fifty. Yeah. I do have this big grand plan. So for episode fifty two, which will essentially mark one entire year of our podcasting, which I think is not necessarily true because we had like a bye week in that. So we've actually been doing this for a little. Doing bit. it for a year, but year, only re- yeah. Recorded fifty two right. true weeks of podcast. Um, we will have a very. Special. Special guest. Important. Important. Do you want to just leave it as a, a hanger? Yeah, I think so. All right, great. So make sure if you miss number 51 that you definitely check in for number 52. Um, and while you're doing that, don't forget to check in um, with all of our Instagrams. 
and Facebooks and Twitter accounts. Um, don't forget to check our blog at mygavet.com. Make sure you check our podcast out under the resources tab or get this podcast wherever you like to get them from. Um, and remember, without people, pets are simply animals. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>